Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about ginger. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Ginger. Who doesn't love ginger? It's got a little sweet. It's got a little spice. It's readily available in any grocery store, pretty much, fresh or dried. And if you're lucky enough to live somewhere where it grows or determined enough to grow it somewhere where it doesn't normally grow, then that is wonderful, too. Ginger's botanical name is Zingiber officinale. And it's of the Zingiberaceae family. And any herb that has officinale or officinalis, officinale at the end in the as a species name means that it was the species of that genus of herb that was used medicinally and was like officially written in the medical texts. So ginger is a perennial tropical plant, and it has really beautiful and unique flowers to it. Other herbs that are in the same family as ginger are turmeric, galangal, and cardamom. The rhizome of ginger, which is what we use medicinally, is a warming spice, and it's native to Asia. It could possibly be from India, it could possibly originally be from China, or from both. It's not quite sure. But it's found in both Indian and Chinese cooking, traditionally. The exact origins of ginger haven't been confirmed, as far as I could tell. Ginger actually no longer grows wild, so it's really hard to tell uh, what native lands it actually is from. It's now cultivated throughout tropic regions and in greenhouses and high tunnels elsewhere, even in Maine. And the rhizome is usually harvested after about 10 months of growth. It 
was used in Southeast Asia for cooking and medicine for over 5,000 years, and probably, I would assume, since the dawn of humans. As soon as we discovered it, I'm sure we were all about it. In the medieval European imagination, the East was considered a very exotic and alluring place. And it was often placed on maps near the Garden of Eden, as it was described in the Bible. And it was thought that ginger actually originated or came from the Garden of Eden at that time. During the 13th and 14th centuries, a pound of ginger was worth the same as a whole sheep. It was valuable because it had the ability to preserve meat because it was antimicrobial and it could flavor food and probably flavor food that wasn't was on the verge of going bad potentially, but also tasted good. And it also had great medicinal actions. Ginger was and still is seen to hold magical powers, promoting love and money and success and personal power. It's thought that eating ginger before performing spells gives them power. It's thought to do this by actually heating up the spellcaster. And so it may especially be helpful for love spells. It's thought that if you grow ginger or sprinkle the powder in your pockets, it will attract money. And it's used in success spells and also to improve the success of a spell. Off the coast of Papua New Guinea, the Dobu Islanders were known to chew it and spit ginger at the seat of an illness to cure it, or even to spit it at an oncoming storm while at sea to halt it. Ginger is a delicious warming spice that is enjoyed in food and beverages and home remedies. It's that warming, aromatic, and pungent flavors that give ginger many of its medicinal actions. The warming nature of ginger promotes circulation of the blood, and the aromatic properties ease digestive complaints and pain and cramping. And the pungent intensity, the spiciness of ginger, supports immunity and can kill microbes. There are many health benefits that stem from ginger's warmth and its ability to improve blood circulation. It has a diffusive action, which means it helps the blood and energy move through the body and out to the extremities and out to the surface of the skin. So for people who have like chronically cold hands and feet, ginger is an excellent herb. And especially also for people who have uh, a dry or cold energetic state of health. When blood moves to the extremities, it helps warm the chronic cold hands and feet and also relieve chill banes. Ginger is beneficial for heart health in general and helps to modulate cholesterol levels as well as blood pressure. Ginger is considered to be aerubifacient, which means it causes redness and irritation of the skin when it's applied topically. And it does this by dilating the capillaries and allowing blood to flow to the surface of the body. This is particularly true of dried ginger, which is much stronger in heat than the fresh ginger. And ginger's ability to open capillaries when taken internally 
can help reduce high blood pressure, allowing the blood to flow better. It's also considered to be a stimulating diaphoretic. And a diaphoretic causes perspiration. And this is due to the blood and the energy and the heat being circulated to the surface of the body. The body will then open the pores to release that sweat and also the heat as it releases the sweat. And this, in effect, can cool the body. And it's also an herbal action that can help relieve a fever, especially when the fever presents with a chill. So if you're feeling chilled, but you know you have a fever, you need to like heat up the body and then kind of bring blood to the surface and allow the body to perspire. So relieving a fever, a fever is one of the many ways that ginger can support our immunity. The pungent nature of ginger provides antimicrobial properties along with it. It's antiviral, it's antibacterial, it's antifungal, and antiparasitic. And so this makes it an excellent remedy to use in cases of colds or flus, ear infections, respiratory infections, intestinal infections. Ginger is also classified as a stimulating expectorant. An expectorant uh, essentially is a mucus mover. So especially in cold and slow-moving, damp, energetic conditions, it can really help the body to expel uh, excess mucus in the lungs and in the sinuses. Because ginger is a warming, circulatory enhancing, and diffusive herb, it's able to break up excess mucus in the respiratory system so that it can be expelled. And as the mucus is expelled, it often carries with it the infectious microbes. I'd say that ginger is most commonly known for its benefits of, for our digestive health. And it's well known to have anti-nausea and anti-emetic properties. So it helps to quell nausea, but also helps to prevent you from throwing up. And this means it both eases like the queasy stomach and also the actual vomiting. This is helpful for uh, people who are experiencing motion sickness or morning sickness, food poisoning, and even nausea due to chemotherapy treatments. And then ginger's aromatic properties help to relieve indigestion, including uh, cramping caused by gas and bloating. This makes it a nice addition to digestive bitter formulas. So where you have maybe a dandelion root and some ginger rhizome together could work really nicely together. Ginger is also known to be a sialagogue, which means it helps the secretion of saliva. And this is beneficial for aiding in digestion, but also combating dry mouth conditions. Saliva carries digestive enzymes and protection to our sensitive mucous membranes that surround our mouth and our esophagus. Ginger's antimicrobial, so it can fight intestinal infections and parasites and even some types of food poisoning and general dysbiosis. And when we say dysbiosis, it's when our gut bacteria is a little out of whack. It usually means that there's too much gut bacteria that's causing problems and not enough healthy bacteria. Ginger is also known to help modulate blood sugar levels. And it's commonly known to be an anti-inflammatory as well. It inhibits the COX-2 enzyme 
but not the COX-1 enzyme. So NSAIDs, the drugs, are COX-2 inhibitors, which are COX-2 enzymes are pro-inflammatory enzymes. So they are enzymes that cause inflammation in the body. The problem with NSAIDs is that they also inhibit COX-1 enzymes. And the COX-1 enzymes are important for keeping the integrity of our stomach lining healthy. And so that's why NSAIDs commonly can cause stomach ulcers. So ginger and many other herbs that are COX-2 enzyme inhibitors and anti-inflammatories also tend to help support the stomach health and as well as being anti-inflammatory. So they don't inhibit the COX-1 enzyme. As ginger relieves inflammation, it also releases pain and is considered to be an anodyne, which is a pain reliever. It's helpful against pain from arthritis, migraines, menstrual cramps, headaches, aching muscles, and tension pains in the head and the back. I know I always love to have a cup of ginger tea if I feel a headache coming on or if I feel some menstrual cramps coming on. Again, like the sooner that you start with the herbal remedies right at this first hint and sign that you're going to, you're like spiraling into a pain cycle, the better it is to get started with the herbs. Ginger is also an antioxidant and considered to be an anti-mutagenic, which basically helps to um, suppress the growth of a variety of cancers. And it helps the process of apoptosis, which I love that word. It's so fun to say. But it's actually our body's own ability to kill cancer cells. It's basically like inserting a self-destruct mechanism into mutated cells. Ginger supports our brain functions and our cognition. And it also has the ability to relieve depression and anxiety. I find ginger is really helpful as a tea in the wintertime, like when we're kind of maybe feeling a little dark and dreary and cold and depressed. It's kind of like sunshine in a cup, warming and vibrant and um, it's like kind of creates a cozy feeling inside, I feel like. And ginger, like many herbs, can be amphoteric in action. And when I say amphoteric, it's like herbs can have seemingly opposite or contradictory actions on our bodies. So this can often lead to an overall normalizing effect that helps to return us to a state closer to homeostasis. So ginger has the ability to be both a relaxant, so calming anxiety and muscle spasms, but also a stimulant, increasing circulation and cognition. It can also be pro-inflammatory, which is its rubefacient properties, and it's very heating to the body, and, um, but it also has these anti-inflammatory properties that are pain-relieving and COX-2 blocking. So how ginger affects the body can vary depending on whether we use fresh or dried roots and how we use them and the state of the health that we're in when we use them. So some precautions to think about when you choose to use ginger in therapeutic amounts are that it may have some blood thinning action to it, or it might potentiate any uh, blood thinning medication. Um, 
It's also could be considered an amenagogue, which could stimulate a menstrual bleeding. So I, you know, it's funny because, you know, anytime we see herbs that are amenagogues, we say, well, probably you want to avoid them during pregnancy to be super safe. But at the same time, it's like, you know, we eat, I mean, it'd be really hard to overdose on ginger unless you're taking it in a capsule or a tablet because it's so spicy. It's like, it kind of lets you know when too much is too much, in my opinion. So we, we're already avoiding herbs in capsules and tablets. We don't want to go that route. We want to taste our herb and let that be um, almost like a trigger as to when enough is enough. So as an amenagogue, some people say, well, don't take it with pregnancy, but it's so great for easing morning sickness that a lot of people are like, swear by their ginger in early pregnancy, whether it's ginger chews or crystallized ginger or ginger tea. So ginger in food, food-like quantities, totally fine. But once you start taking ginger in capsules and tablets, um, or standardized extracts or concentrated extracts or essential oil is when you really want to start being aware that, okay, this is a pretty strong herb and there's no need to actually make it stronger or to take it in ways that our body won't be able to register when too much is just too much. So then it also has the um, potentially could be inflammatory. So if you have really chronic states of inflammation in the body, you know, ginger might not be the herb for you, at least in like large, consistent doses, maybe in small amounts as needed, or it could be combined with other herbs that would help to modulate the spicy inflammatory rubefacient actions. It could be irritating to the mouth uh, mucosa as well when you eat it because it's spicy. <laughs> So ginger is really versatile in how we can work with it to improve our health. And it's also widely available in every grocery store, spice, and tea aisle. It can be taken internally in food as a cooking spice, in addition to baked goods and sauces, or it can be candied. And it can be enjoyed in drinks, including tea and juice, smoothies, mocktails, cocktails, herbal shrubs, and switchels. A switchel is a drink that, from my understanding, traditionally was kind of like a ginger-based drink that had uh, vinegar and maybe molasses and water, basically. And it was, I think it originated maybe more in the Caribbean, but then it kind of made its way states and kind of became a classic hydrating um, and cooling beverage for farmers. So again, that's that ginger's ability to like warm up and then be a diaphoretic to then release the heat and have a cooling effect. Again, this like amphoteric action of heating and then cooling as well. You can prepare it. You can infuse it into an alcohol tincture. You can infuse it into honey. You can infuse it into vinegar. You can infuse it into glycerin. And you can infuse it into water and into food. Topically, you can it can be used, but you just want to beware of that rubefacient property where it can really kind of cause redness and irritation to the skin. But um, you know, if you have pain or inflammation, or if you're like really really cold, doing a ginger compress or a bath or 
infused ginger in an oil and applying as a massage oil and applying that topically. Also then taking that infused oil and putting it in an ointment or a salve for maybe like an arthritis balm rub or something. Ginger infused oil can be rubbed into areas of muscle aches and arthritis and even menstrual pain over the abdomen. So both medicinal Medicinal and therapeutic effects can be found in a dietary dose, so how you would normally cook with it, or an upper dietary amount, a little bit more than what you would cook with. Too much ginger can just be too warming and end up potentially causing inflammatory states in the body. So I would just say enjoy it to tolerance. Respect its strength and its heat and just don't overdo it. Dried ginger powder and root pieces are a lot more drying in action and heating in action and could cause more irritation than the fresh ginger. So when you use dried ginger therapeutically, you can use even as little as a tenth of a dose of the fresh. The volatile oils in ginger are mostly composed of oleoresin and gingerol, and they are very hot and stimulating. And they're concentrated in the dried root. And I just, I never suggest, and I never use ginger essential oil because it is too concentrated in these really caustic chemicals. There's also a group of constituents in dried ginger that are not found in fresh ginger that are called shogaols. It's S-H-O-G-A-O-L-S. Shogaols? I don't know how to pronounce it, but they actually form in the drying and cooking process. And they play a large role in why dried ginger is stronger and more irritating and acrid than fresh ginger. However, when ginger is cooked for a longer period of time, the shogal and the gingerol are converted to other constituents. So it actually loses its spice the longer it's cooked. And this, this is a theme that it, I, it constantly comes up, I find, is like the longer we cook our food, it's almost like the safer it becomes because the, and the more nutritious it becomes because we cook out these constituents that can be more on the poisonous end of the spectrum or the irritating end of the spectrum. And we release the constituents that are more nourishing and nutritive. The name shogaol is derived from the Japanese name for ginger. The shogals are rated 160,000 SHU on the Scoville scale. And when compared to other pungent compounds, it's moderately more pungent than piperine, which is from black pepper, but less than capsaicin, which is from cayenne. So it's in the middle between black pepper and cayenne in heat, the dried ginger. Ginger is considered a synergist in herbal formulas. So a lot of times it would help to you know, carry the formula by dilating blood vessels and increasing circulation, it allows the blood to carry the herbal constituents of maybe the other herbs that are in your formula faster and more effectively for proper distribution through the body. And that's the concept. That's the classic concept anyway. 
I really like the classic cons combination of ginger with some lemon and honey in a warm beverage. It's really delicious, and I like to use fresh ginger but or a very small amount of dried ginger. It's yeah, it's tasty and provides some really nice health promoting properties. I think that ginger is an important part of winter wellness because it can warm you up and it can help digest rich holiday foods and winter foods in general. It can help fight off colds and flus and it can just be a lovely spice added to your meals. So for a couple recipes that I love to work with ginger is Liquid sunshine tea is what I like to call it. So it's basically fresh ginger root um, simmered in a pot of water. So like four table a tablespoon per cup. So if you use four cups of water, four tablespoons of chopped ginger root, and then you simmer it for 20 minutes, strain it into your favorite mug, stir in a spoonful of honey, and squeeze a slice of lemon in it. And enjoy it while sitting in a sunny window on a cold winter day. And it's delicious. And then a ginger oxymel is like really good. An oxymel is basically a combination of vinegar and honey. Oxy being the vinegar and mel being the honey. So to make a ginger oxymel, you would take the fresh ginger root and chop it up and fill a jar with it. And then you'd cover the ginger root, you'd fill the jar about three quarters or two thirds full, depending on how sweet and sour you like things, with the vinegar and put the vinegar in first. And then fill the jar the rest of the way up with honey and because it has vinegar on it, you don't want to use a metal lid or you want to have some sort of barrier between the metal lid and the vinegar because vinegar um, seeks out minerals. And so the minerals in that metal lid, the vinegar will interact with and it will actually rust and degrade that lid. So you could cover it with some parchment paper or wax paper, ideally unbleached. And or you can get quote unquote food safe plastic lids that you can put on your mason jars as well. And you just let it sit. You could stir it together if you want, but as you let it sit over time, the honey and the vinegar and everything will meld together. You just want to make sure you can check back in a week or so, open your lid and just make sure that all that ginger root is still covered with honey and vinegar. And then you can strain it out and take it by the spoonful or add it to mocktails or cocktails or whatever interests you in that realm. Um, and it would be great as like a cough syrup remedy or something that would really help to break up mucus congestion or ease digestive cramping like a little spoonful after dinner if you have bloating or just feel like overly full or uncomfortable after eating. To make a ginger syrup, you would you could take the dried or fresh ginger and in you know a tablespoon per cup of water or even more, and simmer it down, simmer it down so that you have about half of the amount of water that you started with, and then you strain it out, and you put an equal amount of your honey to your 
water. You could also do a ginger infused honey. So you take your fresh ginger root and chop it up or even put them in slices and fill a jar and then cover them with honey and just let that sit for, you know, four to six weeks. And then you can strain it out. So you have like ginger spiced honey. And then you take that honey covered ginger root and dry it um, out either like on a tray. You could like put it in an oven at a really low temperature to slowly dehydrate it. Or you could just put it back in a jar or on a tray and put it in your refrigerator to dehydrate it. And you'll just get like a honeyed ginger candy almost. You could also make crystallized ginger with some fresh ginger root slices. And there's lots of recipes out there, but essentially you slice up your ginger root and cover it with um, water and like a simple syrup, like a water and sugar combination, and just cook it down, cook it down, cook it down on the stove until there's no water left and the ginger is covered in sugar and is like kind of cooked and softened. And so those are, and all of these actually are really fun holiday gifts to give people or offerings to bring to hostesses who are hosting gatherings or um, to offer at maybe a little gathering that you might be hosting. So ginger, it's a great time of year to working for working with ginger, especially if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and um, have fun with it. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you. If you weren't listening, I probably wouldn't be offering the podcast. It's really nice to know that people care and are interested in the information that I'm putting out there. So thank you so much. And if you like this podcast, if you look forward to hearing it, if you wonder what is the next herb that I'll be talking about, you know, I would love just a quick click on iTunes for a five-star rating would be great. If you have a couple a minute or two, you could even write a short review. It would be really nice for the Healthy Herb Podcast to come up on when people first search for herbal podcasts. We can get the information out there so herbal medicine can be more and more and more people's medicine. We can just share the information amongst ourselves and get it out there to the people who need it and want it and yearn for it like us. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. And I also have a Healthy Herb podcast Instagram page as well. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.